Brendan Bouchard Origin Story Analysis. This story is responsible for hundreds of millions of dollars in sales. What secrets does it hold? And how can you begin applying them today to make all of your marketing much more effective? Subscribe, listen, and absorb. Let's go. This little story is the origin story of Brendan Bouchard. It caused hundreds of millions of sales for his Experts Academy digital products. With the right story, you don't have to sell. People will sell themselves and want to get involved. So let's analyze it and uncover all its secrets. This is how it begins. The top was down, the wind in our hair, the radio was on, it was playing Life is a Highway, and we were singing at the top of our lungs. Right there, he covered all modalities, visual, seeing the top down, kinesthetic, that feeling of the wind in your hair, and auditory, the sound of the radio, the song, them singing it loud. He focused on the auditory with those three because people are hearing his story. So then he wants to activate more of the parts of their brains that listen and gives attention to sound. Very clever. It was after midnight and I was with Kevin and we were powering down a road in the Dominican Republic. This is the context for the story. Notice how he didn't start with these facts which will, would activate the logic in the minds of the listeners and can cause them to get skeptical. Instead, he began by activating their imagination on the visual, auditory, and kinesthetic level. Then he uncovered the context. He knows what he's doing. We were on a working holiday, escaping our cares and worries. We were feeling invincible, and the future seemed full of unlimited possibilities. What's the purpose of this section? It's raising the stakes. A story is only as dramatic and exciting as what the protagonists stand to lose. Now, imagine how great that moment felt just before whatever happened will happen. The negative meant they will fall down from a higher place that the contrast will be even deeper, which raises the stakes and increases the drama. And then we saw it, the kind of turn that would be marked with a big sign in the US, warning, hairpin turn ahead, slow down in huge letters. This is the catalyst, the wake-up call, the surprising turn of events, which is the difference between a series of events and a real story. Notice how he slowed it down to make that moment bigger, slower in time, to give people time to feel the suspense. He's not rushing through it like most people would do. He's giving them time to simmer in that moment where they're wondering what will happen next. He keeps raising their curiosity much higher than if he did not do this, than if he did it quickly. 
We were going fast, almost 90. Drop in a bit more context right here, quickly, in a way that raises the suspense. What will happen next? That sounds serious. Kevin hit the brakes and I felt the seatbelt cut into my chest and oxygen being pushed from my lungs. That's beautiful. Notice how visual and concrete that is. And remember, one of the principles of story bonding is concrete, not conceptual. Can't you imagine Kevin putting his whole foot, his whole weight on the brakes and how it would feel for that seatbelt to hit you hard in the chest, forcing the air out of your lungs? That's the power of concreteness. If instead, he said, we hit the brakes so hard I couldn't breathe, it doesn't have the same impact as I felt the seatbelt cut into my chest and oxygen being pushed from my lungs. That's power. But there was no way we were going to slow down in time. Creating more suspense, he's playing with people. Notice how he goes from creating suspense to developing the action, to suspense to developing the action back and forth. In hypnosis, this is called fractionation, and he's mastering in it. We hit the corner at full throttle and went airborne. We must have flipped in slow motion twice or three times over and over and over. He's slowing down and expanding that moment of impact so that people feel it with him, so that they, their nervous system has time to process it and to keep the question simmering in their mind longer. What happens next? The longer the question is simmering there, the more their level of intrigue is higher. Their intention will be fuller and their embodiment of the action rises. And then, nothing. Silence. We'd landed. I can see the moon shining through the small opening where the windshield used to be. And all I could feel was a sudden urge to pull myself up and out of the car. He's back to activating the three modalities in the listener's brains. Silence, which goes into their auditory modality, then he switches into the visual, where they imagine the moon. Then the kinesthetic, where he's talking about the urge to pull his body up and out of the car. He's resonating with all three modalities and with each group of people who prefers one of those modalities. So I gripped what was left of the windshield, and as best as I could, I levered myself out. Kinesthetic, right there. And I remember screaming at Kevin, get out of the car. Again, Kevin, get out of the car. That's auditory, right there. Somehow, I found myself standing at the bonnet of the car. Kinesthetic, notice, he's good. I looked up at the moon. It was one of those moons that was so big and full and, and beautiful. You find yourself wondering, why is it so big, full, and beautiful? Activating the visual there. Plus, he's including inner dialogue which dissociates the listeners, getting them into trance. This guy is very clever. 
Plus, he used all kinds of hypnotical patterns in his storytelling. Things like you find yourself wondering, and all I could feel, and the repetition of so big and full and beautiful. Then, I looked down. That is when I saw my blood all over the car. Bright, red, trailing down my arms, so much of it. Life leaving my body. That's when I was certain I was going to die. Very concrete details to transfer emotions into the listeners. And I really feel every word when I tell that story because that's how stories are supposed to be. You're supposed to experience them to add, change your life somehow. So, in analysis, he's raising the stakes even further. It's life and death. Plus, he's talking about one of the five elements which makes a story edgy. The five elements that hijack people's attention and add spice to any topic. One of them is death, which is present here. Another is betrayal. And there are three more. Images of my family, of my friends, of my lovers, all came flooding back into my mind at once. All of those moments and people that I cherished. He's expanding that moment, that feeling that he will die, to double down on that edgy element of death. Notice how instead of saying my life flashed before my eyes, which is an overused cliche, he detailed it to make the listener imagine it and feel it and be in the story, which add real power. And in that moment, I wondered to myself if I'd actually, if I'd, I'd fully lived, if I'd loved, if I actually mattered. Did I live? Did I love? Did I matter? This is actually the moral of the story hidden here within those words so that people come to this conclusion on their own, which is much more powerful. Plus, notice the repetition, the rhythm, da-da-da, da-da-da, da-da-da. Did I live? Did I love? Did I matter? Because human beings are really feel that anything that is rhythmical, anything that repeats, especially in sound, is much more true than things that don't make a rhyme. It's like a hypnotic pattern that he's using right there. This is very good. And people will ask themselves those same questions about their lives as he talks about them. Because human beings, once engrossed into a good story, cannot help it but imagine themselves to be the protagonist. So, all the listeners will imagine themselves having this near-death experience. Then, in that imaginary scenario, will ask themselves those exact questions. The very clever thing is, he's addressing all three levels of the brain, whether you're using the triune brain theory as a model, or whether you prefer Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Listen to this. The lizard brain is the oldest one. What does this one focus on? To keep you alive. So he's hinting at that part using live and did I live. Then he moved up one notch to the mammal brain, which deals with love and emotions, asking, did I love? 
then to the highest, the neocortex, which cares about self-actualization, which is Maslow's highest hierarchy of need, when he brings that need with the question, did I matter? So he's hitting all three levels of human needs at once. This is cleverly done. No wonder he spent years tweaking it and making it this powerful. And you know what? I wasn't happy with the answer. This is where he sets up the dissatisfaction. Because human beings don't act unless they realize they are dissatisfied with an area of their lives. Like really, not just irritated, they have to be dissatisfied and think, no, no more. This is why we cannot sell prevention to 95% of people. They don't buy before they reach the point of dissatisfaction until things until they reach rock bottom, which reminds me of a friend of my family. He smoked since he was 17 years old, and last year he got really sick. The doctor told him he cannot smoke anymore, otherwise he's in a serious risk of a heart attack. Each extra cigarette he smoked meant years of his life cut short, where he cannot see his children grow, where he cannot even reach the age of retirement to finally live peacefully and relax after years and years of hard work. So imagine, you work so hard and then die? It's not a good deal. They insisted that cigarettes meant death for him. And he did stop for about four months or so. Then he slipped. A cigarette a day isn't too big of a deal, he thought. Then, the one cigarette turned into two, and two into five, and five into a pack of cigarettes. The next thing you know, he's laying on a hospital bed, fighting for his life, his heart almost slashing in two with each heartbeat, rushing into surgery at 3 a.m. in the morning. Why is... Everything I'm doing here with this podcast important. This is my why. Why do I do this, really? And what's the one thing that changed my life? For a long time, I was like a leaf in the wind. I tried everything, yet I felt disrespected. I was smart and hardworking, but my boss didn't even notice it. I was kind and generous, but all I received back was to be taken advantage of. Even when I started my first online coaching business, I was chasing after clients who couldn't even see the value in what I did. I I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know what was wrong. I didn't know what I was missing. And after a lot of real pain, a lot of deep suffering, sleepless nights of hard work that got me absolutely nothing, I happened to discover the science of positioning and it changed everything. I discovered that the way you place yourself in people's minds matters more than anything else, just like Bouchard did with that story I analyzed above. This is not about trickery or manipulation. This is about using the human brain and communicating with it in the way it's supposed to be communicated with. The brain categorizes things. It's a pattern creation machine. If you don't work with it, it will work against you, the brains of other people. This is about a sad fact I noticed. If you don't 
understand your positioning and don't proactively communicate it, 95% of people will put you in the worst positioning box they have in their mind. You will get the raw, wrong, bad, worst end of this deal. If you know you're a good person, but leave it up to them to decide, you'll see all around you bad people getting the results you wish you will get, and you will not get any of them. As Honoré de Balzac said, it's not enough to be a good person. You also have to show it. If you really can help people, but don't use the science of positioning to put it into words that show your uniqueness, you'll just lose them all. They'll go to a lesser charlatan who will take their money and not help them the way you help someone who doesn't care the way you care while you're stuck worrying about bills and rent and they, them charlatans driving around in, in Rolls Royces and, and flying in private jets. Life is not fair, but this can be a good thing because when you understand positioning, you won't be any longer a leaf in the wind under the mercy of whatever positioning other people put you in. Instead, the goal is to control the narrative and to choose the position that will give you the respect, success, results, and recognition you wish for. The root of all that is the science of positioning. Because chance, luck, leaving things to randomness is not a strategy for success. With random positioning, everything you do just becomes an uphill battle. Everything too hard because you will be almost automatically getting the worst positioning possible. Positioning now is my passion. It's the power that I see changing lives in this world. And with this podcast, I share with you everything you need to get your own positioning clear and controlled and the power of it in your hands. This is the one thing that matters more than anything else. And as a side note, I believe every good deed is rewarded sooner or later. This is why I donate 10% of everything I ever earn to Charity Water and I have never regretted it no matter how tough times got, or even if I needed money, I made sure I donated first. Because we sit here complaining about this, that, and the other, about whatever. Well, there are people out there in the world who can't even get clean water to drink. This puts things into perspective. And a good deed you can do today is to share this podcast now. This can change someone's life. Someone out there is lost. They're now struggling, trying to push harder. They don't know that the invisible wall standing between them and success is that their positioning is random and plain wrong. You can be the light, the person who by sharing a link on your social media or sending this podcast to a friend, who would send it to another friend, you can touch the life of that lost person and make their day, their year, their situation better. And every good deed there is rewarded in this life, always in unexpected, almost magical ways. This is a law that's immutable. Anyways, make sure you subscribe to keep going through this journey together with me. And if you have any questions 
or would like to contact me for anything, send me an email to mentor at storybonding.com. M-E-N-T-O-R at storybonding.com. I read every email personally. I respond personally and I'm glad to do it. It's my pleasure. I end, as usual, with this reminder. Seek excellence always. Good night.